Hello and welcome to the NLP Radio Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is NLP Radio Raw Review. That's a double intro. <laughs> well done, well done, Imp Script. Uh, anyway, we are here live on YouTube and also available in podcast form. The podcast will be up later because obviously this takes a bit of time. A link's in the description or just head over to wrestlingheadlines.net. Also, the plug for wrestlingheadlines.net slash lawsofpain.net. The Laws of Pain.net uh, web address still takes you to Wrestling Headlines, just the name is officially changed to Wrestling Headlines. For all your latest wrestling news, columns, uh, now podca- video podcast stuff, and as well as the main podcast as well. As you can tell, uh, tonight for more, I am once again going solo with uh, what I'll consider quite a big visual jump <laughs> from the last Monday Night Raw, where it was, you know, pretty evident <laughs> that I was... Uh, uh, Kind of doing it like for first time type of thing, like a black background thing. I thought the production, massive jump from NXT. <laughs> so anyway, uh, first I say thank you to uh, James Boy for joining me for NXT uh, for the coverage of that last week, yeah, last minute. So if you want to uh, watch that show, we did similar format to this, but you know he was in the other screen rather than the picture of Kylie Singh. So if you want to look at his photo instead. But anyway, so today's topic, the main event for the women's scene. I just want to talk about that quickly before going to the main call for the show because Kyrie Sane ain't dead yet with the main event match and everything about it. For me, just ticking all of my boxes. I absolutely love all four women involved. Uh, Sasha versus Asuka. Like last week, I said Banks versus Asuka felt so much more the main event than the men's title. So this week felt more than deserved. But by far, those two acts are I am enjoying the most right now. And then you add the fact that Bailey and Sasha are my favourite just act single acts overall. I'm enjoying them so much. And now they're everywhere. They're the modern day Charlotte's, as I put it on the NXT review last week. And yeah, but I don't grow bored of them. Like maybe it will happen within time. But for me, Charlotte, uh, when she was on every single show, just like these two, when she was on every single show, it became a bit much. <laughs> I got a little bit bored of it. And compare that to where we're at now. And bloody hell. <laughs> it's the same thing where they're all over the place. But Bailey and Sasha just don't grow tired of. They are so charismatic, so entertaining. It's just a little bit more to them. And it really, really shows their feud with Asuka so far has been amazing. I've loved it. And like, what really doesn't hurt is Sasha Banks having banger match after banger match. <laughs> like night after night. But last week with Io Shirai, tonight here with Kyrie Sane, it's just that. And of course, we've got Asuka coming up next week at Extreme Rules. So that's awesome to see. If you want to check my audio, awesome, cool. Bit, well, that's a bit basic, who cares? Anyway, so it's it's great to see. But the main event itself, we had uh, Asuka and Bailey Shaggers. There was an earlier section, but I'll get to that, I guess, in a bit more detail later. I've, already, I've got loads of notes on it. There we go. Actually, no, let's talk about because it, it does like lead from one thing into the other. I was just going to do the main event and then come across the earlier Sasha Banks carry Sane match later, but it leads like one thing into the other. So I'll do that instead. So, first instance, we had Banks and Bailey in an interview. They were confident champions. And then Asuka crept in behind, well, not behind them, she crept in like to the side of the interview. Uh, and then the interviewer spots her and uh, Sarah shot over and she asks, how are you planning to take them on on your own? And essentially, Asuka's like, who says I'm alone? 
Uh, we, then, we then go to the arena, Banks and Bailey. They walk out all confident, do it. Sasha just like the thing to somebody in the crowd. And they brag about dominating every brand with how awesome they are and extreme rules they are taking over the show, getting all the gold. When Asuka comes out, interrupting them, she talks trash. She said something wasn't really worth remembering. Because it really just, yeah, it, it reads into her saying that Sasha's not busy tonight. So why doesn't she face someone? Bailey talks up her friend, like, bring it on, who do you have? And it's Kyrie. Kyrie saying she ain't gone yet. And all of the news from this past week, it's one of those circumstances where being plugged into Twitter and seeing all of the news about Kyrie saying leaving, seeing all the YouTube videos and reports about her contract being up and potentially going back to Japan. And even though all of that might still be true, she ain't gone yet. That's all I can say for now. <laughs> and she's on next week's show as well. And maybe this is a strong farewell goodbye, as was reportedly in <laughs> was in there where Kyrie Sane would get uh, was planned to get quite a nice little I guess rub off with the uh, Asker match. And I don't know if it's such a bank thing planned, but definitely an Asker match was apparently in the talks. And yeah, maybe that is back on. Maybe this entire thing leads to a, uh, an Asker versus Kyrie Sane match. Then Banks and Bailey can go back to SmackDown or whatever. Either way, I am enjoying the hell <laughs> of this right now. And that gave us Sasha Banks versus Kyrie Sane. I had seen, before I saw this match, I had seen my Twitter feed kind of just exploding with how much they enjoyed the match. Uh, I will just note that I kind of curate my feed where I used to follow all sorts of people with the idea of, well, I like to see opinions that aren't mine that I disagree with because, because then I can check and balance my own opinions off of what I'm seeing. And it kind of like tested my own opinion. But after a while, when you start to see like negative take after negative take, it does kind of start to grain on you a bit. So I immediately started curating my feed. So if I talk to you or if I interact with you, that's because you've passed the curation. And I generally enjoy seeing you on my feed. Uh, but that means I don't really see a huge amount of negativity. And normally if there is negativity, it's backed up with something. <laughs> As in, I don't just go, you are poop. <laughs> and then just leave it. They're like, no, they'll say, I don't like this, and this is why. So, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so that's kind of what my feed is like. Point being, it was completely positive. I did just want to put the asterisks on there that I do curate my feed. So when I say it was all positive, it's like, yeah, I like seeing positivity. So that's what I kind of reinforced with the follow. But I, I myself went into this match, hearing the hype. And then I went into it, and I was like, yeah, this was a solid... TV match. <laughs> I just really, really enjoyed it. And like quite often I'll see like a match happen, then the hype happens, then people will watch it after the hype and go, well, it wasn't that amazing. Whilst I'm watching it thinking, I mean, in the context of WWE television, this was really good WWE television. I'm not looking for a pay-per-view quality match on TV. And this was entertaining from start to finish. It had so much going on. What was it building to as well? That's kind of important to me as well. Like, uh, is it grabbing my attention and setting things up? As in, is it doing things that's going to make me care for what happens down the line rather than just things happening, which was my main gripe with, all, with the WWE last year. If there's one thing that's happened this year, it really feels like they're starting to kind of place their hardcore base a lot, lot more. Maybe that is because of everything that's happening and the amount of people, the sheer amount of people who have stopped watching WWE, especially live with those numbers going down, like for that to happen, 
like maybe makes sense that they are playing a bit more to the hardcore wrestling fan audience instead of the years we've had prior of them going against them. Like it, I can feel it. It, it feels so much easier to watch more. And I've got to say, this was it was meant to be a topic on my show last week. I just completely forgot to mention it. Since Pritchard McMahon have taken over, I've enjoyed Raw so much more. And really the only kind of big shift has been the, the main ruins feud of Banks and Bailey versus Asuka and now Asuka and Kosein. So it's, yeah, it's the, the show of Raw, it kind of flows really, really well. So anyway, Sasha Banks versus Kairi Sain. Uh, Sasha, as I just said, has been having an absolute role of matches in the running to Extreme Rules. Uh, her versus Sane was yet another damn fun addition to the run. Uh, the icing on the cake being seeing the pirate princess in that face roll again. Like, she's so good at it. Like, you can't help but get behind and start rooting for her. Like, she flies all over the place with her elbows. Like, Banks was rolling Sane into submission. Sane then climbing all over Banks. Uh, both came out looking like a million bucks. The offense just had an extra oomph to it. Like, every move they hit. So, yeah, like the idea here was to paint Kyrie as a genuine threat. Like, in the latter half, she was all over her opponent, like flying with move after move. It's so, like, oh, just watching this match, I was just like, this is not a match of somebody who's leaving, like, imminently. Unless they're setting her up for something, which made me think, oh, maybe that Asuka Kyrie match is like, the, and then she leaves afterwards. Maybe that is the part of the report that's quite accurate even though the report was more like, oh no, her, her leaving is imminent, kind of thing. Like, Kairi Sane leaves WWE kind of headlines. Well, in reality, maybe she does, but we're at least getting something here, because they made her look strong. <laughs> and that's a very non-WWE thing, to make somebody on their way out look this strong. Um, again, maybe just to set up the match next week, but it feels like it was more. That's just what, what I'm seeing in the ring. Like, they properly made Kairi Sane look like a deal. It's like, well, why would they do that if she's leaving? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Banks, in the end, was saved by Bailey. With Sane locking in a submission, uh, Bailey read the room and jumped in for an interference to save her friend. As I said, a great TV match with a strong TV-worthy ending. Kyrie seemingly having Sasha beat, but we don't see it because of Bailey. Where do you see it? Live and pay-per-view. <laughs> I mean, you won't see Sha Sasha Kyrie saying live and pay-per-view. So you get to see Sasha tap out on pay-per-view. Like, even though it's not Kyrie versus Sasha, like, you have, you have to, you hold that back. They don't give that away for free on television. No, WWE have made that mistake before. Like, no, you pay to see her tap out. But yes, I like that. I love this match. It was just, it perfectly got me into the show. I really, really enjoyed it. And then we fast forward to the main event, because again, the topic is about how great <laughs> this witness women run was. Uh, the main event was Bailey, accompanied by Sasha Banks versus Asuka with Kyrie Sane. Uh, last week, oh, sorry, let me just wind past that bit. There were plenty of shenanigans before the break, with Nikki Cross doing a worse and worse job of remaining professional and holding herself back from going after Bailey. Where, of course, Bailey's facing Nikki Cross at Extreme Rules. Yeah, not as hyped for that one, but this has got a big amount of character work here. It's the craziest Nikki Cross has felt on the main roster. Since they knew, since they gave her a direction, or at least something to do. Um, but you mix in that with Banks and Sane both being at ringside, you got a fair bit of chaos. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Uh, eventually, as the, uh, before the, it's built to the break, 
character, Nikki Cross, got worse and worse and worse, and eventually she couldn't stop herself, and security had to stop her for her, for her, as <laughs> awful sentence, and carry Nikki Cross out of there, over their shoulders, and that was what led us to the break, we were in the chaos of Nikki Cross. Uh, after the break, the match felt so much more normal. When I say so much more normal, I mean what you would expect from a uh, a match with two people in the ring with two managers on the outside or two friends on the outside. Uh, and yeah, it kind of ended a rhythm. Uh, Banks and Bailey trying to use the numbers game, but Kyrie Sane is there, who kept putting an end to all of those shenanigans. Uh, as it went on, the pace in the ring got quicker and quicker, less and less outside shenanigans as the focus shifted. A devastating spinning back fist from Asuka that ended an awesome sequence. And said, oh, that looked awesome. Uh, Asuka herself with a look of shock on her face. Like, damn, that looked good. <laughs> that looked good. <laughs> I've been watching parts of Mech. There's a bit of Aziz and Zari. Just pronunciations that might happen throughout the show. <laughs> damn. Anyway, Banks and Bailey increasingly trying to figure out ways to sneak in that offense. Eventually cracking that nut by Bailey toiting Kyrie to jump up onto the ropes, only to run right back to her actual opponent as the referee's distracted, and send her opponent right into Banks' knee for a near fall. The match after this was a fantastic run to the finish, starting with Nikki Cross appearing in the crowd, crazily bashing on the plexiglass as Bailey in the face of love seeing a ghost, uh, ending with an awesome run of reversals. With a distraction, Asuka grabbed Bailey into the Asuka lock, who tried to roll out like Sasha Banks did last week, only to a two count and straight back into the hold. No rolling out this time. Asuka has it locked in. Banks senses the danger and tries to save her friend, but Sane is there once again, launching herself with a spear. Asuka truly with the submission wrenched in and she gets the win. Well, that was bloody entertaining. <laughs> yes, an amazing main event match. For a TV match as well, but to get a sequence of kind of that, that quality and that amount of amping you up, like this is exactly what I'm looking for when the episode of Monday Night War ends. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to be like the crazy stuff you saw in the Astrodeva. It doesn't have to be that level of mentalness. But if you get me amped up, then yeah, I'm going to be for it. And this is, that's exactly what this did. I was amped. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. All, well, this, all the TV stars. <laughs> Again, this is getting you ready for the pay-per-view. I don't need a crazy quality of match on television. Give me that on pay-per-view. And I might expect, you got Asuka versus Sasha Banks. You can hold stuff back. <laughs> I am fine. We all enjoy it on television. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I'll get to now the run of the rest of the show, starting with the first segment of Working My Way Down. Uh, and I might try and give a score to it at the end. I don't know what my system is yet, and I feel like the best way is to just make it up live on air. <laughs> so just, for all I know, just be random words and things. Never done this before. Rather than giving it a score, I've kind of given like a sentence that describes my feelings about it. That's how I've always done it in common form. So maybe that, well, maybe that will translate. So anyway, uh, we opened the show with the WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Uh, and he said, the stipulation could be sharks with laser beams coming out of their eyes. And immediately, <laughs> like, come on, Drew, don't tease me with that. <laughs> don't tease me with laser sh- eyed sharks. <laughs> uh, it, uh, but it, this match is all about Dolphy's choice. Uh, Ziggler says McIntyre messed up by allowing this to happen, by allowing Dolph Ziggler to be able to pick the stipulation for the horror show at Extreme Rules. Uh, he's going to stretch this out, is Ziggler. Uh, he knows the real Drew. 
the man who tossed him aside when he suddenly felt the whim uh, brings out another man Drew has done that to. And it's Heath Slater. Three man band. <laughs> Does he do that accent? Does he go back in? <laughs> like a person. I'm picturing somebody playing a banjo. I don't know why I'm doing that. Anyway, Slater says he and Drew go way back. It talks about the joy in his heart watching his Scottish pal win the Royal Rumble. A amazing promo, by the way, from Heath Slater. I'm not going to do it any justice kind of going through the beat by beat, but the delivery and kind of the pace it was set and uh, yes, but really, really well done by Slater. Uh, Slater was, he brings up that he was there when Drew McIntyre originally got released. Uh, and because he's his brother, he was there for him. Well, as he just said here, but where were you for me? Like, I want you to know, I was there for you and you weren't there for me. It's like, oh, I really, really like it. Because again, I've just finished playing Last of Us 2. I really, really like it when you've got one side and and the villains make sense. As in, what they say holds weight. <laughs> and for me here, and Drew McIntyre sold it really well. Like, it, his, it was all over his face. Like, yeah, I done bad. And like, I really should have. It's like, yeah, everything he later said, kind of, it hit all the right notes and it really didn't make sense. He could sense that Drew McIntyre really was sorry that he didn't reach out to him. And that, that, that helped, that gave this uh, segment so much weight. And again, it gives later when he, what he does next, when he's aggravating the champion into trying to give him a match, like slapping him across the face. Like it, that, again, that holds weight because what he said is it, it really does like, yeah. How could you not, <laughs> Drew? Why would you do that? How are you out meant to be a good champion? And of course, like Dolph's plan was like, hopefully it will catch Drew McIntyre off guard and either Dolph or his Slater could capitalize and beat him up. But in terms of chipping away at the character of McIntyre, like, yeah, personally, that's what I would have, if I was booking this, that's why I would have booked this segment. You've got one more week as well, so you can do another week of chipping before Extreme Rules. But something like this that chips away at the character where Dolph Ziggler's whole point is that Drew McIntyre is not this hero that everybody should be loving. So for me, it's like, yeah, his plan should be, have a little bit more to it than I want him to get beaten up or want to catch him off guard. Like, no. Like, for me, if he chips away the character of Drew McIntyre like he did here, then it's a success. He should be reveling in the success of this <laughs> instead of going crazy at later. So uh, anyway... So we return from the break and we do have the impromptu match of Heath Slater versus Drew McIntyre. And Slater opened in a brawl fashion, laying into Drew. But as the big Scott launched him off, as soon as he launched him off and created some distance, Drew McIntyre immediately closed down with a claymore for the win. McIntyre didn't, didn't want to faff, didn't want to like put Heath Slater through the ring, through the, through the rings, through the rung. And he didn't really want to do it, but he gave Heath what he wanted. He gave his friend the match. Uh, and he owed him at least that. Uh, after the match, Ziggler is angry at his plan not working, as I was just saying, yelling at Slater, who pushes the show off down in anger. And then he gets on top. Uh, McIntyre makes... No, then Dolph gets on top, beating him up because he's the active superstar. And McIntyre makes the save. Um, out goes Dolph Ziggler, his plan completely falling down. And he's Slater and McIntyre, friends at the end of it all. A complete backfire <laughs> for the challenger. Uh, who I'm struggling to take seriously as a challenger, even though the match would be great, even though they were a tag team this time last year, unless it was the year before. Again, these past six months have been an absolute time vortex. <laughs> Who's got any idea when things happen? Anyway, so 
Then, uh, then we pause with an emotional Slater celebration or Slater vibration. Let's go with Slater vibration. We <laughs> pause for a Slater vibration. It's all emotional, like as he kind of smiles a bit, and that's where we end the segment. We then got Banks and Bailey and all the stuff with Asco and Kyrie Sane's return. Uh, after that, Volnins versus Mysterio's masks BTR. Uh, after all that plays, giving us that history. Uh, we see the aftermath of a Rawlings and Murphy attack on Alistair Black. The Dutchman donned in the purple Rey Mysterio mask. And in fact, we go, Alistair Black was meant to be teaming with Rey Mysterio to take on Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. But now he can't. Oh, dastardly heels. Oh. <laughs> uh, we then cut the Viking Raiders who are holding a bowling ball. Big Show, they say, they say some stuff. Big Show walks in wearing a neck thing. Anyone can explain that? And he, did I miss something last week? I don't remember him needing to get an, an, a neck cloth. Is it a fashion statement? Anyway, uh, and he then he talks about their six-man tag match. The main kind of gist of this being that the Raiders are feeling the fun and are being a bit more jovial, or at least seeming a bit more jovial, uh, but shows a super serious sod in this current storyline. So he's trying to have it home like, no, I want you to take this seriously because I'm, I'm super serious about that and this. I'm not joking about and the Raiders having to make a point of, we're having fun now, but we are taking this seriously. <laughs> we don't have to 24-7 have the appearance of super serious stuff. <laughs> but that's what Big Show is doing. Super serious stuff. That's where he currently is. Anyway, this leads us into a, back into the arena with the KO show, the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens is back. Uh, Seth Rollins is his guest. Uh, he... Formally, uh, Seth Rollins formally challenges the now medically cleared Rey Mysterio at the Horror Show at Extreme Rules. If by the time this goes out, it's still called the Horror Show at Extreme Rules. Fingers crossed. <laughs> he, uh, Seth Rollins offers for Kevin Owens to consider fighting with him rather than against him with the bond that has been created through WrestleMania with the feud. Like maybe Kevin Owens, like he, he fractured his ankle in that match. And he's not been able to return to action really since. Like maybe Seth, Seth Rollins is putting that off about there. But Mysterio comes out. Uh, he says generic lines. <laughs> but the gist of it was he was accepting the challenge. Uh, Mysterio is ready for a fight. But Rollins laughs at him. Like having taken out the scheduled teammate and Alistair Black. Like what? Just you versus me and Murphy? Ugh. And then he gestures at the joke of Dominic being his partner. Because he came out. Mysterio came out with his son Dominic. Uh, instead, Kevin Owens accepts, and Kevin Owens officially, he formally returns to the ring in this tag team match of Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy versus Rey Mysterio and Kevin Owens in another really enjoyable tag team match <laughs> on the show. Like I say, it's running theme on Monday Night Raw at the moment, where the tag team matches for me are generally just, they really help in this middle, middle portion of the show just to kind of inject energy, whilst Maybe it's because, like, New Japan are my number one promotion, which I've brought up before, kind of helped. I feel like that helped me cover WWE because I'm never going to become extremely invested because New Japan is the one I do that with. But on that show, when they don't, when they aren't in, like, a super main event match or a match with high stakes or whatever, they'll be in a tag match. So you get to see them, you see them featured, but you won't see them give that absolute everything in kind of scenario. I feel like Seth Rollins really has been in that role and Monday Night Raw for quite a few weeks now where you're not seeing him one-on-one, -on -one, but you are seeing him wrestle. Like, Buddy Murphy's taking the bulk of the offense, making the opponents of future pay-per-view opponents of Seth Rollins look amazing. And then Seth Rollins comes in to some dastardly stuff and pops out again. 
I really like that formula. <laughs> yeah, so it means you're getting a lot of Seth Rollins Buddy Murphy matches, and it doesn't hurt that they're pretty good together. But for me, the main thing is that it's a really, really good idea where you see Seth Rollins wrestle without overexposing him, and you make him feel like a big deal, and you make his opponents feel like a big deal. It's like, oh, it's just win-win. Like, yes, he would eventually get boring, but for me, like, I'm perfectly fine with this keeping on going. So this was continuing the run of Rollins and Murphy tag team matches that were awesome. Uh, they're all great and holds us off from seeing the heel one-on-one till the pay-per-view. So again, as that whole bit of was pretty much me just saying, I'm currently fine with this wee little trope. It's fine. <laughs> uh, nice little detail with neither Mysterio nor Owens at their physical best. One with one eye and the other their first match back from a fractured ankle. AKA, you've got targetable zones for the heels for both of them. They both have glaring weaknesses. They're flashing bright red on the video game. They're right there. Uh, I really enjoy the dynamic of these tag matches. As I get, well, it is that formula. Murphy makes the opponents look amazing before Rollins comes in being all dastardly heel. Uh, the match had a quick back and forth kind of flow to it. And Mysterio and Murphy was so much fun to watch together. Like, really, really fluid. That time in the, the, on 205 Live, doing Murphy a whole lot of good. Uh, Dominic gets his revenge in uh, towards the end of this match. Uh, before the mid-match ad break, Rollins went for Mysterio's son's eye, only later for him to return and go after Murphy's. Uh, Rollins grabbed him, threatened Ray, but outruns Alistair Black. Uh, Murphy is then down in the ring, and down splashes Mysterio, I think with the frog splash, for the win. And then he got Seth Rollins, like, trying to look after Buddy Murphy, <laughs> making sure it's all right. And, yeah, uh, the heels have lost again. Uh, post-match, the extreme rule stipulation was added. And this is the thing that Twitter's been talking about the most and has been clarified further. Uh, so if you've not seen it, then for a bit of an interesting one. So Mysterio says he's going to rip Seth Rollins' eye out. <laughs> and he wants the match extreme rules to be an eye for an eye match. So when I wrote these notes this morning, I was like, well, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> and it has been clarified before I came live. That the rules for an eye versus eye, an eye for an eye match, it's not like AEW's eye for an eye match when uh, John Moxley and uh, Santana had their one where they'd both wearing eye patches after both had had their eyes attacked and it was just like a ball of a match. It was a standard match, but they both had eye patches on and it was nothing more than that. <laughs> Here, a little bit more to it, where the rules literally are the opponent has to rip out the eye of their opponent. Like, so the victor has to actually rip out the eye of the opponent. That's interesting. <laughs> okay, then. I mean, make sure you run those ads of do not replicate this at home. <laughs> like, see it with this one. Well, that's a pretty serious stipulation. Oh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. <laughs> that one. Uh, my favourite thing, really being that the commentators sold it as a completely serious thing afterwards as well. Like somber tones talking about the bad thing whilst remembering to say the pay-per-view catchphrase. <laughs> you know, just add a little bit of jarringness. Like, really? Like, you're taking it all serious? Like, whilst I'm in my head picturing that scene from Evil Dead with the flying eye on a string? It's like... <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. The eye on the string from Evil Dead whilst they're all super serious. It's like, my God. It's gone too far. But no, it's silly. <laughs> it's, it's silly and it's ludicrous. I've got no idea 
how they're going to do this in the WWE world. Again, the picture in my head is the Evil Dead floating eye. If you've not seen it, just Google it. <laughs> it's, it's special effects that are dated quite conveniently now. But, yeah, so it's either... In my head, I've got that, or you just get a blood pack in the hand, and you just have a blood pack in the hand, and then the person who's meant to have that eye looked out, they also have a blood pack. Maybe you paint a golf ball. To be fair, that's pretty much, I think it was a ping pong ball in Evil Dead. Oh, bloody watch the making of it. Can't remember. Pretty certain. <laughs> it's a, just a painted ball on a paintball. Put a, a painted ping pong ball on a string, and they just kind of moved it across. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I built myself up to want something crappy like that now. Like, it's a, it's the horror show. Is it going to be a B horror show? That's the question. No. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to the <laughs> predictions of this. Oh, and I've just booked my guest for the uh, prediction show next week, which will be going out on Friday or Saturday. Let me just figure that one out. Anyway, so MVP and Bobby Lashley are backstage. Uh, Bobby talks about breaking crews last week and ending the man's US championship run in the near future. Which leads us to the post break. Post break leads us to the next segment after the break. Uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP with the United States Championship re reveal. Uh, another one where I've seen people all over Twitter talking about. Normally, I try and kind of. I say normally. I used to try and keep away from Twitter before watching Raw, so I knew nothing going in. However, the last two years where I, I ended up stopping watching WWE for like large portions of the year, I. Yeah, so yeah, I just. I drift away from doing that. Like I started to not care, and that's that's still in me. Even though I'm now doing this these raw review things, I still see stuff on Twitter before, and I'm starting to feel like maybe I should. Like, I'm enjoying the shows enough where it's like, yeah, maybe I could just check Twitter later. But I'm not, I'm not rid of that away yet. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not at that point where I care enough to not check Twitter, uh, to not have things spoiled for me. But anyway, so I've seen the United States Championship. And I saw like I saw quite a lot of people mocking the look of it, and my immediately I saw one comment of somebody saying, "I mean the lighting's not exactly great," and that was my thought as well. Like the bright white light on shining down on a that championship like that, like that really does it's not it's never going to look good in that lighting, and especially since it's still having like a shadow of the lower half of it, it's not going to look good. Uh, so really, like the back when it's backstage. And it was uh, MVP was carrying it around. You got to see it a bit better, but there are higher res pictures uh, put out by WWE, and I would I would recommend looking at them to get like a general feel of what you think about the title. And uh, I'll talk about it in a second when it's revealed. So MVP says that Apollo Cruz was a shining star who burned out because he entered the orbit of these stellar superstars. I love that line. I don't care <laughs> if that's just on the list of crappy lines written by writers backstage. I generally enjoyed that one, so whoever you are, <laughs> whoever wrote that line, <laughs> like, oh, I, I love uh, yeah, something like that where it sticks with the theme, and it works It works because MVP delivered it. You have a baby face say that, it just, no, it doesn't work. Anyway, so they reveal the title, and it looks fine, like it's got an eagle on it, oh, and it's got the American flag behind the eagles in the front, oh, okay, cool. My only, I guess my only criticism is uh, the way he's got the, he's got the eagle and he's got the wings and the way but the way that the lighting shines on it it looks more like an owl because <laughs> it's got the it's like it's got two big eyes like an owl does rather than most of the way I'm seeing it like it's the optical illusion where uh, the gap between the wings and the neck of the bird 
like they look like eyes to me. So I'd see an owl. <laughs> That's all I say. So for me, it's an owl with eagle wings, like some anthropomorphic thing. <laughs> they just come together. It's like, yeah, a blending of two animals of an owl and an eagle. That's what I see when I look at that title. Oh, and of course, America. <laughs> you got the United States Championship. Uh, you got the United States flag behind it. Now, yes, I know it's an eagle, especially when you look at it closer with the closer looks. It's blatantly an eagle. It's just from further away with the lighting on it, the way that it reflects off the title, it looks like an owl. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's fine. Uh, Lashley suggests they might as well just crown MVP as the new United States champion right now. When Ricochet and Cedric Alexander walk out on behalf of Apollo Crews and they challenge the two to a match. Call Teddy Long, we've got an impromptu tag match player. <laughs> so Bobby Lashley and MVP versus Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Pace versus power. Uh, Lashley was just dominant again. Uh, they're doing him really well on Monday Night Raw. The pair between him and MVP is fantastic. And as MVP put it, uh, he's helped Lashley find Lashley. And he's using that to sell recruiting other people, which is the other part of this feud I really like. That like MVP has gone after recruiting people and he's put, and he's kind of using that to put them over, which again, oh, it's just everyone wins <laughs> in this. It's great to talk about more in this like, positive light, where it's just not so many little things that just make sense. Like they're not too thought over, they kind of ruins them or anything. Like, no, there's so much that just works. And the MVP Bobby Lashley pairing is one of those things. It, to quote Todd Howard, it just works. <laughs> and uh, MVPs, again, when he's trying to recruit other people, and then Bobby Lashley, when they say, no, Bobby Lashley would build them up, would beat them up and make it look like crap. And MVP was saying, oh, I offered you help. But then, like, the next week, MVP will still put them over. And it's just like, no, he's a great athlete. There's a reason I offered him a place. So it's, it's not like, like, this time last year, I'd get the feeling that those MVP lines would be there so that Bobby Lashley can come and beat, and beat the person up. Then the point is, MVP's luring them into a trap for Bobby Lashley to pin them up. Pin them up, beat them up. <laughs> but here, he's genuinely trying to recruit them. He genuinely sees talent in them. It's like, yes, oh, it's, it's so many little things, <laughs> little things, little details. Just really make it make sense. Anyway, Lashley was dominant. Uh, however, with two fresh lads up against him, he did have to tag in MVP every now and then. And that was when the match would shift back into the face of some momentum, uh, reverting right back whenever the big man was tagged in. Uh, Ricochet had the strongest showing, maybe just because he had a bit more time. Uh, with Cedric really only able to get offense in on MVP. Uh, but really, it was a nice way to keep Bobby Lashley looking awesome, whilst also painting MVP as a beatable opponent for Apollo Crews. So yeah, only... Apollo Crews has to get past Bobby Lashley. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, there was a really nice uh, spinning DDT thing by Cedric on MVP, uh, jumping off the turnbuckle, spinning into it. That was uh, that's a cool little thing. Uh, again, Ricochet got quite a fair amount of offense on Lashley, but really Lashley was this power beast, and they're getting him over to, as he's about to go against Apollo Crews. And it was also about MVP trying to recruit Ricochet and Cedric, this week especially Cedric. Uh, but Lashley hits Cedric Alexander with the spear for the win after a bit of confusion. One, two, three. And obviously, I love Ricochet. I, I really, really value him. And it kind of sucks. It's kind of fallen down to this kind of, eh, where he's been on main event. It's like, some of the, some of the things are a bit questioning, really, uh, with Ricochet. With the, on the list this year of the wait and see after he got destroyed by Brock Lesnar. 
and he's just fallen and fallen and fallen. Like, really, he's such an amazing talent. And like, now I'm at the point where I'm happy to see him. So I reverted back to that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very, very good. It's nice to see him back on television. And for all we know, this is actually leading to something with the MVP stable. Maybe, maybe eventually MVP does break them down and get them to join in. And we're seeing stables pop up all over the place at the moment. So maybe that is how things are going for the future, like building up many stables. You've got the Orton, Andrade, Gaza thing kind of happening a little bit as well. But yeah, there's a lot, nice little nice little bubbles forming at the moment. So anyway, speaking of Andrade and Gaza, we've got a VTR recap of their feud so far and the little kind of issues they're having. Uh, backstage, Andrade voices his agitation and Gaza promises it won't happen again. Vic Flair, he's there. Why is he still there? What the F? <laughs> Why is he still there? There's so many positive cases. Get that man away. Vandy <laughs> uh, Orton also then walks in and he brings up that all three are third generation stars. You know, hmm, I sense a legacy here. Uh, building to the six man tag later tonight, which was advertised beforehand. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, after the break, there's one thing I didn't mention. Uh, we got, before in the earlier part, we got Asuka and Kyrie interviewed by Charlie Caruso, uh, who asked them how the tag title match next week affects the main event match with Bailey for Asuka, who says she'll beat Bailey and officially challenge for the tag match next week to be the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And then Kyrie places out with the Kabuki Warriors theme on the recorder. <laughs> and it wasn't crap. <laughs> she nailed it. It's like she's been out, she's been off injured, and that's what she did. <laughs> she learned their theme on the recorder accurately. <laughs> so amazing. I love these two. And they're feuding with my current favourite act in Banks and Bailey. Like all the stars I could want in this feud. Yes, taking all of him's boxes. Uh, so then we got our six man tag Big Show and the Viking Raiders versus Randy Orton and Drade and Angel Gaza with the heels, joined by Zelina Vega at ringside. Plenty of big boy offense from Show and the Raiders. Uh, arguably my favorite touch to the match was Vandy Orton not taking any of the tension from Gaza, like any of that messing about, ordering him to get his head into gear. And I think Orton says something like, I will not hesitate to punt you if <laughs> you do not get your act together. As I, uh, like Zelina Vega was the force stopping the two from completely imploding. Maybe Vandy Orton could be that glue that makes them gel. So, oh yes. Yeah. I really like Randy Orton. He's great at making you believe he could form a stable with the lads he's teaming with. Like he's done it with FTR, now FTR. And he's doing it again with Gaza and Andrade here. So maybe the biggest heel thing to do was to not form a little nice little faction. <laughs> just not do it. and <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> like, like he did with the, the Revival, where he, he had his moment with them and then moved on. But here, oh, yeah, people wanted it, so he didn't do it. Oh, what, what an evil person. Uh, so after his speech for Gaza, sorry, after his speech for Gaza, the heels had a really strong moment of offense. Like you saw Randy Orton's words have a straight impact on the match. Uh, Gaza was holding his own against Eric, like even able to sh shake off one mighty chomp. Like Eric just chopped him across the chest. <laughs> and afterwards, uh, in anger, Gaza just like started stamping on him on the floor. Like that was a great, uh, great little spot. Uh, Gaza and Andrade. Uh, helped create the confusion in the end. And we saw some nice little tag fluidity as well. And all, uh, all, all three of them really working quite well together. Uh, Big Show 
working as the person is that he's angry you can see it and maybe that kind of anger where he's focused on the one thing kind of held them back here yeah but Gaza was held up in the end for the Viking experience and Drali pulls him down uh, but Orson's has tagged himself in so as the Viking invaders are focusing on Andrade and Gaza that's when Vandion slips in and sneaks in for the RKO on Eric another fun tag match on this show like yes yeah, just but a really enjoyable hour that's just kind of like flying by for me. I will say that this is the first week where I, re- I really didn't feel the fatigue. I felt the length of the show, because that's, that's still a thing for me, where when I'm watching it, especially now I'm writing notes for this, like I really feel the length of Monday Night Raw. Like it, it always, I feel like I get to a certain time, I'm like, oh, I'm still watching it. I've got to, like, I've got, <laughs> I've got things to do. I've got to move on to the next thing, and I'm still watching this show, like all this time later. But like the actual watching of the thing, it flowed really well, and I feel like they've really hit a rhythm these past few weeks. Like, I'm lucky. I've done, t- I've done two interviews now, and so far I've been lucky that I've enjoyed them both. So yes, another fun tag match on this show. Obviously. It depends on how much you enjoy these kind of tag matches. And I've got uh, my world is my New Japan world is full of tag matches. <laughs> so this is a world I'm perfectly fine with. I see their purpose. I value their purpose. And more having those of them right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so working really well. Uh, backstage, we've got Billy Kay and Peyton Voice. Uh, they always make me laugh. <laughs> Maybe Wyatt walks in. Uh, again, she chats some stuff with the iconics just conveniently chipping in every now and then. Uh, and she leaves by saying, it's not going to be iconic. It'll be tragic. And then walks away. thought the line was pretty crap, <laughs> but it got a laugh out of me. Uh, mostly for its crapness. Yeah. Uh, so after that, we got, we got a nice like, little string of backstage moments. And here was the camera panning to MVP and Cedric after Ruby Wright walks away. It's like, yeah, the soap opera style of camera transitions are strong again this week. <laughs> you got two people talking, you follow them, and then you, when they walk away, you pan, and in the pan, you catch the next set of people and you follow them. But yeah, happens in our hospital soaps all the time. <laughs> uh, MVP was trying to recruit Cedric Alexander, but he's not buying what the man's preaching. Uh, he's not up for the division that MVP tries to stew. And that's kind of like the end of it. But you saw Cedric actually, at least by the end, listen to MVP. Even if he might not heed his words, the maybe a little bit of doubt was sown, or at least the words were heard. Yeah. And he's, I like that you, you saw that. You saw that sold. And of course, you got to see the United States Championship in a bit of a better light. Still not perfect, like the high-risk photos you'll see on WWE.com, which that's the place I'm going to form your opinion. Instead of an owl-faced eagle, whatever. Uh, Vic Flair is in backstage. Thought he was the string of stuff. He's animatedly recapping the past weeks of TV to Randy Orton. You know, just like you always do. <laughs> casual, casual conversation. Animatedly recapping television. Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, self-realization. <laughs> uh, our truth runs into them. Nature Boy looks to clean. Look, no, Nature Boy to our truth. I'm just trying to find my <laughs> way to describe this. As I'm still coming down from that realization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, animatedly recapping the past weeks of TV. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so our truth runs in and then he looks at Ric Flair, but to our truth, Nature Boy looks too clean to be him. It must be Akira Tazawa in a Ric Flair disguise. Uh, then he hears Tazawa actually running in and Austin scatters. Uh, Orton then sends the ninjas the wrong way. Like, 
Yeah, the show was a segment on my television. <laughs> I liked uh, Akira Sawa just as soon as he saw Orton, like, ah, oh, crap. And then Orton's in the wrong way. He's like, yes, again, continuing to paint Orton as this big, scary heel. And the final match to cover here, uh, Ruby Riot versus Billy Kay, who was accompanied by Peyton Royce. Uh, last week's match was a nice, entertaining, short bit of wrestling. Uh, this week, Ruby ran at them with aggression, clearly taking the duo more seriously. The numbers game once again the game changer, though, able to jump off the ropes. And Royce distracts. Oh, sorry, let's try this again. The numbers game <laughs> the game changers about to jump off the ropes, which when the Peyton Royce distracted, Kay capitalised. Slammed her down with a sit down, was it like Spinal Street thing for the win? And uh, once again, Ruby Riot, yeah, she wasn't able to do the win. <laughs> but Kitty Tell's getting close to 1 a.m. <laughs> uh, well, because no point in for this being in the pre match, they hammered home about how Liv Morgan wasn't there. And there's your arc like Ruby slowly realizing she really does need her friends. Well, you know, the one she can have, congratulations to Sarah Logan. But Liv, uh, Liv not being there was a really main point of the backstage interaction between Ruby Riot and the Iconics. And it's brought up again in this match. And uh, Ruby Riot lost to the numbers game. He just had it all together. Yes. And uh, before we went to the main event, we did see Nikki Cross grounding on commentary. Like, how hold me back, Jaw? That's Northern. <laughs> <laughs> Scotland jaw, hold me back jaw. Score, I can't do it. My throat's too far. <laughs> Just me. I can, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll do it one day. <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. Anyway, and that was Monday Night Raw. So my review for Monday Night Raw, I, I guess for my sentence, it would be, it flowed. I didn't feel tired while watching it, and for me, that's a massive up for a three-hour show. And there we go. Didn't get tired. That's my raw review. <laughs> so I don't think it's high. Uh, yeah. Whatever you score, you give that, I don't know, eight, seven? I don't know, seven, seven feels, three, seven, eight feels good for a TV show, but I know the current metrics rating scales, if you do an out of ten, anything below an eight, really anything below a nine, it's like, oh, it's horrific. It's like, well, no, for me, like a entertaining uh, television, which I don't, wasn't absolutely incredible, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, seven or eight for me. Yeah. If I can put a number on it, sentence works better. <laughs> That's a columnist in me. That's a ranty columnist in me. It's like, just, yeah, it works better for me. Anyway, I'm now going to bid you adieu because I'm so, so knackered. Yeah, as I said, uh, last week, I currently have a construct, uh, currently have an extension being built. So, uh, there's loud noises everywhere. And this setup that I've got currently, well, set up, it requires like half an hour of work. So once I'm done here, I need to move like all the things back <laughs> so that the building work can do tomorrow. So. That you see this wall, you don't see what I see behind this laptop. Let's <laughs> keep it as a professional. Uh, anyway, I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review uh, to talk about that show. Again, working on getting SmackDown sorted. For me, the main thing being I'd have to go live during the day on a Saturday. And again, with the, uh, this is why I brought up the construction. So that's happening around me. The walls vibrate really loudly <laughs> during the day. Like it's really hard to concentrate. I'm really glad I bought these headphones. Like these are lifesavers right now as the whole house vibrates. <laughs> it's just, yeah, quite nice. So I was talking, what, how did I word it earlier? It was like there's a giant alien mosquito <laughs> in the walls just vibrating the entire building. 
Uh, yeah, that's what my days are like right now. But the point being, I can't cover SmackDown because I'd have to do it during the day, and currently that's what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, uh, next week, I'm aware we're not going live after the New Japan Cup, which has this weekend, but the plan is to go live after Dominion, and hopefully my walls aren't vibrating because that'll be slap bang in the middle of the day for me over here in the UK. Uh, but fingers crossed, I can actually do it. So, yeah. I'm really just happy for the freedom of like lockdowns giving me to kind of jump into this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll be back on Thursday. That was the raw review. It was I was able to watch it and didn't get tired. <laughs> With that, I say thank you for watching, and I bid you adieu. Adios.